In order to support this show and keep providing you tons of free content week after week, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones that you actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com slash she and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better so that we can bring on advertisers that you won't want to skip through. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. But again, that's P-O-D com slash she. Thanks for your help. Before we dive into this episode, I want to make sure I tell you about something really special. So here's the deal. If you are walking through a season of broken dreams or struggling with just not being where you thought you would be in life, I wrote a book for you because I get that. And I know exactly how that feels. It's so frustrating when at one minute you feel like you're on top of the world and the next minute it feels like the whole world's against you or just things are not going your way. So I wrote a book called Embrace Your Almost to find clarity and contentment in the in-betweens, not quites, and unknowns. And this book releases super soon on April 5th. It's just around the corner. And right now we have what it's called my launch team. The book launch team is open. This is a private community where you'll get access to me and so many other amazing and incredible like-minded women, tons of cool bonuses and giveaways and just special surprises I have planned. It's such a fun thing to be a part of. I did this with my last book as well, and it was just so special. It is truly like the most unique community, and you get to be a part of this message and getting this message out into the world and really turning it into a movement with us. And here's the deal. When you join, you will also get early access to an audio version of the Embrace Your Almost Bible Study, the version Bible Study. Uh, you'll get early access to that as an audio version. And so that's kind of like a fun, special gift that I'm giving to my launch team this week. So I would love to have you join us. The doors to the launch team close in a few days on Friday, March 18th at midnight. So you only have a handful of days left to get in there, a little bit of time left. I would love to have you be a part of this special movement and getting this message out into the world into the hands of women who need it most. So here's what I need you to do. Go to jordanleedooley.com slash launch. Click the button that says join the launch team and follow the steps on that page to get yourself added, get your booty in there. We're going to have a lot of fun. It's going to be so special and I don't want you to miss out. So go to jordanleedooley.com slash launch, follow the instructions on that page and get yourself added to the launch team and I'll see you in there. And what I'm realizing is we didn't go in first grade and they taught us to be friends. Mm -hmm. Like nobody ever said, Hey, this is how you do these things. Mm -hmm. And so we're all stumbling into each other and no, we never learned. And we grew up more isolated than any generation before us. So we're all bad at it. Mm -hmm. And I think it looks like other people are good at it, but they feel the exact same way. They're looking at you thinking, Oh, you're good at it because you're Mm -hmm. good at things they're bad at. Mm -hmm. So one of my goals of the book was to get rid of this feeling that two to three people could ever meet all your relational needs Mm -hmm. and to really move into and out of this expectation of people and Mm -hmm. to look for different roles that people can play in your life. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. Jenny, welcome back to She. Hey, thanks for having me. Ben. Absolutely. You were on, I want to say it's been a couple of years now, but I just, I love that so much the last time we got to talk. And so I'm really excited to have you back and to get to talk about community and just navigating, building deep relationships and meaningful relationships, especially when 
I mean, it's a very isolated world in so many ways. It's like, it can be hard to connect. And so I'm really looking forward to this conversation. But before we dive in, I would love to hear just for anyone who may not be familiar with you or who didn't hear your first episode, can you share just a quick overview of your background, your ministry, and what led you to write this next book, Find Your People? Sure. So I am a mom and a wife, and I lead an organization called If Gathering, which hosts a um, global conference once a year, and it's March, first weekend of March. And then I also um, have written a few books and, and studies. And so my last book was called Get Out of Your Head. Mm-hmm. And truly where this one came from was the most obvious uh, thing that, that causes anxiety or helps it, I should say, is our people. Mm. And I just saw a need to really dive in deeper there. Mm. And, and specifically I was, I was actually overseas. This was about five years ago. I decided to do this project and I was overseas and, and looking at two women in Uganda walk down, uh, to get water with little buckets on their head Mm. and they were having a ball and Mm. I wanted to be with them. And Mm. I, I think something in me was, was wondering, you know, in this world that we have everything and don't need each other if we're missing something big. Mm -hmm. And so it actually sent me out into, you know, what, what begins as curiosity really became a passion project because when I did the research and I, I, the way I researched was first just, you know, I'm a Bible teacher. And so I looked at the scriptures and how people have lived and how, you know, what God says about it. And then I also looked back at history and other cultures interviewed a lot of people from different countries and just really saw um, the facts that we are the loneliest generation that's ever been alive on earth. And, mm. and it's, it's incredibly devastating. I mean, the research will break your heart. I mean, it just mm. that three and five people were lonely prior to the pandemic post pandemic. I'm sure it's going to be four to five out mm. of five. Mm. We've got a health crisis in it. It physically affects us. It's worse than obesity, smoking, drinking, it is so bad for our health. It's so bad for our emotional and mental health. Mm. Um, people are so disconnected. My friend, Kurt Thompson's a neuro researcher. And he says that we come into the world longing for someone or looking for someone looking for us as a baby, like mm. as an infant mm. that we come out of the womb, looking for someone looking for us. And we really never stop. Mm. And, and so I just think that's where we are is we're all looking for someone looking for us. And, and we're kind of in our little pocket scrolling our phones mm-hmm. and feeling more disconnected than ever. So mm-hmm. I, I was urgent, like this needed to happen. And, and I believe there's a better way to do it. Wow. That is so powerful. I mean, I was going to ask you like, if there's any science on this, but you just kind of laid it out there. And that is so fascinating and so like heartbreaking to hear. I mean, it makes so much sense though. I mean, what you said about when we like come into the world and we're looking for that, it's like, yeah, that never really goes away. We're always like looking no. to be, and I, I don't know if that means like we're looking to be needed or wanted or like supported or what, the, like what exactly does that mean? Like well, looking for someone to look for us. I mean, just in our DNA, like how we are built, we are built to be communal. It's not mm-hmm. something that like an additional add on, like we should add to our schedule mm-hmm. or start a supper club or a Bible say, I mean, not that that would mm-hmm. be that wrong, but it's not something in addition to our lives. It is life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what most cultures and, and throughout history, people understood, mm-hmm. but they, it, it was required of them. And in much of the world today, it's required of them that those women have to walk down to get that water together and they need each other to survive. Mm-hmm. They're gathering, they're hunting, they're, they're, po- you know, 
pooling their resources to to get by and mm-hmm. and we can amazon everything we need and so there's just a mm-hmm. reality to the independence that we all have mm-hmm. today mm-hmm. and and then add to it a further disconnection with technology and and screens and the amount of time that takes up in in everybody's life now and and the false sense of connection right that that provides yeah. and so you know i looked what i did was i i thought okay i'm going to look back at history and see how people thrived and lived mm-hmm. and and what i found out was um, most people lived in villages of around 50 to 150 people. Mm-hmm. And that, ironically, in the science, it says that that's the amount of acquaintances we're able to have in our life. Huh. And by acquaintances, I even mean like knowing people's names, knowing something about them. Not mm-hmm. a lot, not being deep friendship with them, not even taking them a casserole if their mom dies. Like mm-hmm. just just know about, you know, mm-hmm. and that we only really have capacity for about 150 people like that. Mm. And then you go down a little deeper, you have margin and capacity for about 50 people to do the care of hearing about their mom's death and, and running something over or, mm. you know, doing some more deeper in their life. But still, again, we're not talking weekly or daily. We're just mm-hmm. saying, you know, this is somebody that you can keep up with and know what's happening in general in their life. Then you've got capacity for, you know, about five, two to five relationships daily and weekly. Well, if you look back throughout time, that's the size of villages. That's how they live. And they really never left. I mean, most people lived within 20 miles of where they were born. So mm-hmm. families stuck together and intergenerationally lived. Mm-hmm. People knew their friendships and their friends most of their lives. Mm-hmm. And it was really hard to conflict and quit each other because there was nowhere to go. So you had to work it out. And so I think what we found is we, we no longer have any of these patterns that cause people to thrive. Mm-hmm throughout history. And so my hope is that, you know, basically what I did was take the five patterns I saw as most consistent and helpful and said, Hey, these are things we can put in our life wherever we live, whether Mm -hmm. we live in a small town or a big city, we can put these patterns into our life with people and Mm -hmm. potentially build a village that will sustain us in our lifetimes in a healthier way. Wow. That is so fascinating. It makes so much sense though, because I, I almost feel like even in our modern world, like we're so connected to and watching so many people's lives and we like know of so many people and kind of know them but don't know them and it like stretches our capacity beyond what is actually like possible yeah exactly exactly wow well and so we've got compassion fatigue so we're Mm -hmm. all exhausted by all the need in the world therefore when our when our neighbor we find out they're in chemo we really don't have the energy Mm -hmm. to care and we really don't have the energy to take over banana bread right like we just Mm -hmm. don't that's not because we're carrying the burdens of the world. And I think that's where it's technology has really failed us is, mm. is we've been made aware of every problem rather than, and, and we're missing the problems right in front of us wow. and the places we could really help. And therefore we're not taking care of each other. Mm. Like the first pattern that, that felt essential to me. And I really had to work through this one because a lot of my friendships are across the country, mm. um, just different friends in different States. But the first one that you see throughout time as being, important and throughout scripture is proximity that you physically need to be close to someone. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that I couldn't keep my long distance friends. In fact, I'm in a small group or a leadership group right now with a lot of them. And we share a lot of life together. There's, there's some of my best friends, but mm-hmm. I also need the friend that on a Tuesday night is going to run over and catch me that I'm kind of sinking and anxious and look me in the eyes and mm-hmm. say, get dressed. Like we're going out. And mm-hmm. I need the friend that, that finds out my kid got in trouble at school because their kid came home and told them, you know, mm-hmm. and I mean, I just need, I need those people right around me doing life. And, mm-hmm. and so we moved to Dallas about four and a half, five years ago. And when we did 
kind of the, the motto I put in my mind of like, okay, I'm going to find five friends within five miles hmm. because I want to be able, I was in Austin and, and so many of my good friends were 45 minutes away mm-hmm. and it just, I never saw them. It was like a once a month thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I wanted some people that I might see at the grocery store or mm-hmm. I might be able to, um, you know, that our kids were in school together. Yeah. And so I prioritized that. And it really was, it was game changing just because it made it a lot easier. And that can't always be the case. Mm-hmm. Very rarely, you know, there's other patterns that I think are important in this, but mm-hmm. Very rarely will you have all five, but if you can have whatever you can have, mm-hmm. I think it helps to break down some of the barriers we're just up against in this culture. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. You keep using the word pattern. I'd love if you can expand on that. What do you mean by the different patterns? Ways we live. Okay. Uh, my hope for the book is is not that anyone will feel pressure or think I need to add this to my busy life. The hope for the book is that it's almost like it gives you a new pair of glasses where you see the whole wide world differently. Mm. And and in my mind, that can right now, where independence and isolation largely is the the way we see the world, that we would put on glasses that largely see the world communally, mm-hmm. and even the introverts, right? And and it's cute. Like a lot of intro, a lot of people are reading the book early right now, and mm-hmm. and there's a lot of introverts on there, and they they have a little support group for each other here, and they're talking about it, and and it's so cute. They're like, you know what? We're actually made for this. And it's not easy for anyone, but I actually think this is the introverts talking. I'm not one, but they say it's actually better for us to connect deeply with one or two people. And that's largely what the end goal is, is that you end up with a a small circle of, of people that you go deep with at the same time. I believe that comes through a village network of friends. You can't just arrive at two to five best friends, right? I think you, you need a village of people to, to help you live life and to do mm-hmm. the things that, that you're called to do. Yeah. And so I think we've got to look bigger than those two to five people. And I think those two to five people will arise out of that and mm-hmm. possibly change over the years out of your village. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think it's both and, and, and I think those people exist around you already. Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't something that, that you probably need to move for mm-hmm. or that you need to make some drastic change for it's probably under your nose and you're just not noticing the person that walks their dog in front of your house every day or mm. or you don't notice the the co-worker that um that's a few cubicles over that you have some things in common with you just never go very deep mm-hmm. or you know I, I think these people could be anywhere mm-hmm. um and I think that's where we've got to turn our eyes and start to notice who's around us mm. but I do think that patterns come in because it's practices and ways of living and viewing life and thinking about our errands. And and what if we just grabbed a friend to run an errand with us instead of going alone? Or mm-hmm. What if instead of going to Home Depot to buy the ladder, you, you borrowed it from mm-hmm. a neighbor, you know, you don't really need a ladder very often. Mm-hmm. It's hard to store, you know, mm-hmm. um, and just little things like that, that, that begin to like welcome two things in your life. You welcome the fact that you can initiate toward people mm-hmm. and, that people are craving that and want that not everyone, but certainly a lot of people are. Mm-hmm. And then two, that you need people. Mm-hmm. And, and it's almost for us in our very independent, wealthy society, for us, it's, it's choosing to need people, right? Mm-hmm. It might be that we have that option to buy what we need, but then we decide, you know what, that's something I could borrow. And I think those choices, I remember my, my neighbor across the street when they, the first day they moved in, their air conditioner busted and went out mm-hmm. and, we were meeting him out front and, you know, he kind of rolled his eyes and said, y'all aren't going to believe this, but our air conditioner broke our first day in our house. And, mm-hmm. and my sweet husband was like, Hey, you know what? 
we have a random window unit. Like, what if we set it up? It's so hot. It was mm-hmm. summertime. Mm-hmm. He said, what if we set it up and y'all could all sleep in one room together? And so he goes, gets this thing. The two of them set it up. It takes like 30 minutes to an hour. First day they moved in and they build a relationship mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they needed something. And my husband was so excited that we had what they needed and, mm-hmm. and helped them. And, and that wasn't a burden to my husband. He was so happy to be useful. Mm-hmm. And and those guys still go to coffee hmm. a lot, you know, and, and I just think what a great way to start a relationship is, is to need each other. And mm-hmm. it feels awkward and we don't want to need, mm-hmm. it feels hard to be needy, mm-hmm. but it's definitely how we were built mm-hmm. is to be interdependent and to need each other. And so admitting that and stepping into that is, is hard, but it is, it's life-changing and yeah. game-changing. Yeah, it's so true. It's so good. I mean, you're right. Like we are born to like that desire, that natural, like what we're created for is not only just connection, but like a lot of that is often formed off of somebody needing something and being able to help and to step in and to serve. Like there's something so like primal and like human about that, you know, and we've in our very independent culture turned that into like, oh, I don't want to be a bother. Oh, I don't want to ask. And we actually rob ourselves of so many opportunities to create possible friendships or connections or, you know, all of the above. I mean, wow, it's just like such a simple thing. That's like, we don't even think about that. So often we think about like, how do I make friends? Oh, I need to like sign up for a class. It's like, or ask your neighbor if they have any butter. Like, I mean, you know, it can be that simple. That's where it starts. Yeah. Yeah, And I think, and that's where I hope it just gives people new perspective Mm -hmm. of, wow, this doesn't have to be so hard, Mm -hmm. but it might feel vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love if you can share just not to change gears too much, but I'd love if you can share what the Bible says about connection, because as we look at like the way culture is and what science kind of has shared and shown us, like, I'd love if you can share also that perspective, because it's such a holistic view of this whole thing. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's fascinating. And honestly, the most convicting part, because if you look back at Genesis, God is plural, like he is communal. Mm -hmm. He is one and he is three. Mm -hmm. And even in Genesis, he, he tips that that card. He doesn't always do that, but he did it there. And he said, let us create man in our image. There's a sense of him revealing I am three and I am one father, son, and Holy spirit. So, Mm -hmm. so he isn't in favor of community. He is communal. Mm -hmm. And then he creates man in their image and he, he creates us communal. Mm -hmm. And so it's not something we, we crave. It's not something that we um, need. It's something that we are. Mm. And I think when you start to view it that way, it really convicts you that these are choices we have to make Mm -hmm. if we're going to be expressions of our God and expressions of the way that he built us to live. And so when you think about um, Genesis, the first thing that happens is, you know, they create the world and then they create man. Mm -hmm. And he looks at man and says, it is not good for man to be alone. Now we think of that in the context of marriage, but he, you know, ultimately was marriage led to a family and family led to a community group and community led to a people group. And then you've got, uh, you know, the community or people groups leading to nations Mm -hmm. and then nations leading to Israel and Jesus, mm-hmm. and then you've got the local churches, and that's mm-hmm. the whole New Testament. So the whole book is about people groups mm-hmm. and beginning in Adam and Eve. And it's all about relationships. Wow. I mean, it's yes, yeah. it's about God, of course, right. but ultimately it's about expressing God mm-hmm. with each other. Mm-hmm. And and so most of the book is the Bible is written to you all. It's not written to you. In fact, everywhere it says you, just about the high majority of the 
instances where it says you, it's you all. And so it's not even written to an individual. It's written to a people group. There's a giant assumption Mm. that the whole thing is for people Mm. that are doing life together. Do you ever feel like you're not quite where you thought you'd be? Are you struggling in a waiting season or navigating broken dreams? If you answered yes, you are in good company, my friend. You are definitely not alone. And this is why I wrote my new book, Embrace Your Almost. Find clarity and contentment in the in-betweens, not-quites, and unknowns. This book comes out April 5th, which is right around the corner, but there's actually a way for you to start reading it right now. Here's the deal. If you pre-order a copy of Embrace Your Almost from any retailer, Target, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, all of the retailers, anywhere books are sold. If you grab a copy, then you go to jordanleedooley.com slash EYA dash pre-order. You can get access to not only an early advanced copy, which will send right to your email, you can print it off or read it on your tablet, however you'd prefer, but you'll also get access to the While You Wait workshop. This is a wildly popular workshop that I ran a couple of months ago, and it's still available. It is designed to help you turn your waiting season into one that you enjoy, not just one that you endure, and there's some really practical steps in there, as well as a really fun Q&A with another friend of mine that I think you'll find really encouraging. So here's again how to do that. Pre-order a copy of Embrace Your Almost and then go to jordanleedooley.com slash EYA dash pre-order. We'll put that link in the show notes as well and follow the instructions there. Upload your proof of purchase and we'll send you those gifts, not only the advanced copy, but also free access to the While You Wait workshop. With two little kids, I do most of my shopping online now, but it can be so hard to shop for things like clothes online because I never know if I'm getting good quality until it arrives. The game changer, upgrading to high quality, affordable pieces from Quince. Now I have luxury essentials that transition from one occasion to the next, and I stayed on budget. Quince has so many options to choose from, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. One of my favorite items from Quince is the silk pajamas I got. They are so high quality, a luxury pajamas, but not at a luxury price tag. And I just feel like they don't even compare to some of the other pajamas that I have bought online or that I've bought um, just at various different stores. And like, these are incredible. <laughs> Indulge in affordable luxury by going to quince.com slash she for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash she to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash she. Thrive Market is a go-to for all your grocery and household essentials, and the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to your doorstep is a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and you can use their on-site filters to suit your lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with just a few clicks. And when you shop Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one one membership matching program. You join and they give. I use Thrive Market every single month. I get our dish detergent, dish soap, and various other just basic household essentials that are low-tox and non-tox ingredients, and it is the easiest way to get all of my favorite clean items sent right to my door at an affordable price, I should add. 
Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash she for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash she. Thrivemarket.com slash she. And so it was hard when I did the way I researched for a book or a study is I'll pull every reference, right? Mm -hmm. Well, there's a lot, but ultimately it's just a whole book about it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like the whole Bible is about it. And, and so I think when we think of it that way and we realize, wow, we really are one of the first generations um, that live independently the way we do. It started around the industrial revolution, um, but has gotten worse every generation since then. Mm then what we've got on our hands is, is just a hell broken way of doing life. Right. Mm. So that is not intended by God. And, and even scriptures are not talking about it. So what we have to do is we have to choose it. We have to choose it. And, and where I've seen that play out best is my local church. I actually live in a big city and go to a big church. Mm. And so that has played out most specifically with my small group. Mm. And, and by that, I mean, it's pretty crazy. People can't believe the things we do, but um, mm. we have just learned the value of one of the, patterns is accountability that that was mm-hmm. in most village circumstances that was there were tribal elders or there are different forms of it but all villages for to some degree had accountability personal accountability hmm. and and so we've chosen that we don't have to have that but we, we've chosen it and mm-hmm. it's changed our lives mm-hmm. so if we spend a certain amount of money on something we got to run it past our group our group knows all of our finances numbers and all um and that's changed our life how we mm-hmm. spend money how we steward the resources we have. Um, we've never done community this deeply with anyone Mm. and it's so rich and good. It's not easy, but I would not trade it because it's given us so much freedom and, and joy in our lives because we have people protecting us and watching out for us and, and truly for our good, right? Like they're not sitting there going, you shouldn't have this, we shouldn't, they're not legalistic. They're just going, okay, what's your vision for this? How will you use this? Mm-hmm. What's the purpose? Do you have the resources for this? Like what else could you do with it? They're just asking questions that, that are helpful and useful. And, and we make decisions together. And mm. I just have found it to be the greatest gift. And I know some people hear that and are thinking, oh my gosh, I would never do that. But, and I, I probably felt that way prior to it. But I do think there's just something we're missing. And I think it shows how, how far away we are from the way most people have lived mm-hmm. is, and we're just so against anything that would like pull us in. But the reality is it's really helpful and good to be pulled in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it mm-hmm. keeps you from having to figure it out, right? Like mm-hmm. if somebody, a group of people that really love you and love God, look at your life and say, Hey, this isn't, this isn't for your good. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier than you having to spot it yourself, you mm-hmm. know? And and I, I think, yeah, yeah, you, you don't have room for pride and, and you have to submit to other people, but it really is the way we were, we were yeah. built to live. So it feels really refreshing, actually. It doesn't feel as unhealthy or hard as yeah. you would think. Yeah, absolutely. This is also good. I'm like, there's seven different things I want to comment on <laughs> what you said. But one thing that just sparked a question for me when you said it doesn't have to be as hard as we think. I also think that in that we also kind of assume that building connections or community can be awkward, like conversations can be awkward, or just the sense of awkwardness of like needing something or all the different things that you've touched on. And 
knowing like with that in mind, like this is what we were built for. This is like biblical. It's scientifically proven. Like I'd just be curious, like what suggestions you have for getting through any feelings of awkwardness or fear of awkwardness so that you can (laughs) have and like really create authentic conversations. Well, I appreciate that you said through awkwardness (laughs) because there's no way around it. Mm -hmm. There is no way around awkward. Mm -hmm. So let's just all agree that this is going to be very awkward. Mm -hmm. And I think awkward sometimes is endearing. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's my only sales pitch on being awkward is just trust that something about being awkward is also vulnerable and something about being vulnerable actually lends itself to closeness and Mm -hmm. connection. And so I think of Jennifer, um, Lawrence, when she was accepting an award and and she was kind of new to the scene, it was probably like in Hunger Games days. And, and I hadn't, I didn't know her very well. It was one of the first things I ever saw about her was that she fell like face planted, trying to get an award up the stairs, like the worst fear, you know, Mm -hmm. but she gets up and like starts laughing. And I mean, what are you going to do? And I'm like, something about that endeared her to the world. And I think what we've got to realize is being awkward is not the worst thing in the world. Like Mm -hmm. just just own it. Like, yes, mm-hmm. be awkward. And, and I've had to do it a million times. I moved to a new city and had to start over five years ago and mm-hmm. everything about it was awkward. I had to ask this friend I kind of knew from like 20 years ago to coffee. And then I was like, well, who are your friends? I mean, it was just the most painfully awkward thing. And mm-hmm. it's, I know she was thinking she's so desperate. Like I haven't seen her in 20 years. Mm-hmm. And, and yet I was desperate. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I needed people. And and that choice, that that awkward call mm-hmm. and the awkward conversation led to us becoming actual friends. And that actually led to our small group mm-hmm. that we're in now. And so I'm a big fan of awkward. Mm-hmm. I just think there's no way around it. Mm-hmm. Um, conflict is awkward, yeah. but that's how you keep a friend, yeah. period. Mm-hmm. You don't do that. You lose your friends. Right. You have asking a friend to be a deeper friend is awkward. Mm-hmm. Telling a friend you need something is awkward. It is mm-hmm. all awkward. Yeah, so totally. my thing is just, we just do it. And there's really no way around it. Uh, a lot of the book, it was funny. I was just reading the audio book, uh, you know, how you do that at the end mm-hmm. and, um, and the producer and the sound tech and everybody was on the phone. And at some point I stopped and I started giggling and I was like, I'm sorry, y'all. It feels, this feels kind of elementary. Like I put in there how to have a deep, deeper conversation, mm-hmm. how to ask a friend a coffee, how to make a friend, mm-hmm. how to ask someone. To, I mean, I put in all these like little, little, little parts of the book that are like mm-hmm. how to, and I, I literally made me giggle. Cause I was like, I can't believe I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. And the 60 year old woman that was producing it said, no, Jenny, this is so helpful. Like I did not know this stuff. And mm-hmm. what I'm realizing is we didn't go in first grade and they taught us to be friends. Mm-hmm. Like nobody ever said, Hey, this is how you do these things. Mm-hmm. And so we're all stumbling into each other and no, we never learned. And we grew up more isolated than any generation before us. So we're all bad at it. Mm-hmm. And I think it looks like other people are good at it, but they feel the exact same way. They're looking at you thinking, Oh, you're good at it because you're mm-hmm. good at things they're bad at. Mm-hmm. So one of my goals of the book was to get rid of this feeling that two to three people could ever meet all your relational needs mm-hmm. and to really move into and out of this expectation of people and mm-hmm. to look for different roles that people can play in your life because mm-hmm. it's more likely that you'll find somebody that's really good at at being a challenging friend that tells you the truth but probably isn't a great encourager. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but if you if you figure out that all these different people are playing different roles in your life, then you kind of let them be good at things and let them be bad at things. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And same for us, we can be good at things and we can be bad at things. So I think it's just changing and adjusting our expectations Mm. to actually 
let and allow room for people to fail us and for people to bring unique things into our lives and to not expect, you know, a little bitty small group of people to be all those things. Yeah, absolutely. That's so good. Okay, you brought up conflict. So now I have to ask about it because I know this is a huge part of it. Um, in the sense that, again, it's something that we can that we either often avoid or that can really cause relationships to suffer or even end. But I'd just be curious, like, can we dig into how conflict can actually strengthen a relationship? I think you touched on this briefly, but I'd like to dig into it because it is something that we just would rather avoid. Um, and like you said, it's really, if you don't face the awkwardness of con- of conflict, your relationship isn't going to last. And so I would just be curious, like, how what can we do to lean into that well and to make sure that it's something that allows us to strengthen a relationship rather than like end or weaken a relationship? Well, I always tell my kids, until you've had a good fight with a person, you don't know if they're your real friend. Mm-hmm. And, and I really do feel that way because the reality is you will conflict. Mm-hmm. If you do life the way the Bible talks about and the way that I'm talking about right now, you will conflict mm-hmm. eventually. And until you get through that first one, you just don't know if they're going to bail mm-hmm. or if you're going to bail. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to choose to do conflict. I remember this is just even this week there's a group of us that are kind of doing some deep dive into our issues in life. And, and we got into it this week a little Mm -hmm. and several people, and I was in the middle of one of the things and it was, I think the counselor forced us into these conflicts kind of Mm -hmm. to test us. One of the girls, I'm fine with it. I I do conflict every day in my life. I feel like somewhere, somehow, Mm -hmm. and I'm very comfortable in it. But one of the girls, she couldn't breathe. I mean, she was, and she wasn't even in any of the conflict, but watching it made her like, she could not handle it. And I think this is a skill that we usually don't need because we usually just abandon the relationship, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So you misunderstand something I say, not you, but Mm -hmm. someone Mm -hmm. misunderstands something I say. Then you turn around and gossip about me and say horrible things. Mm-hmm. And then I'm supposed, I hear about that. And then I'm mm-hmm. supposed to come to that person or you and say, Hey, that hurt me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm just going to play out how awkward and horrible this is. Mm-hmm. That hurt me that you misunderstood me. And then you gossiped about me. And then I've got to, maybe they're, how are they going to reply? Who knows? Mm-hmm. And then I'm supposed to forgive that. Per- I'm just saying, I'm just trying to give an example of how horrible this is. <laughs> Yeah. Like yeah. it sounds pretty in the Bible when right. it says like forgive one another. No, it's and like it's mess. <laughs> admonish one another. And yeah. it sounds really lovely and poetic. It's mm-hmm. like, no, this is horrible. Yeah. And it is so much easier to walk away. Mm-hmm. It is just so much easier. And we live in a world where you can. Mm-hmm. And most people haven't lived in that world. You had to work it out. You mm-hmm. never moved away. You were in the same village for your whole life. So right. so I think what we've got is the what feels like freedom to go pick other friends, mm-hmm. but it's actually so sad because if we did work that out and if that person did apologize and we, we apologize for how we contributed and, and we got to the other side of that, it would be, let me tell you what'll happen. Cause it's happened to me a bunch. The first three times you hang out after that, you feel kind of prickly. Mm-hmm. You feel kind of still hurt. You feel mm-hmm. kind of guarded. And then the fourth, fifth time you forget and you're closer than you were before. Mm-hmm. And there's no replacing it. What well, this just happened with two of my friends and, mm. and they almost quit each other. And I were, I put them in a room together. I was a mediator. I put them in the room together. I put them in the room together. I put them in the room together. It got worse. It got worse. It got worse. And then finally there was a breakthrough 
And, you know, weeks later, um, one of those friends said, do you know, I feel so much closer to her than I did before. And I think we've just got to do a better job of sticking with it and doing those hard conversations and not bristling and running away and being uncomfortable, but just leaning in and doing it. And again, there is a time for boundaries, right? Like there's books about that. And I'm not saying there's not. In fact, it's in the book, but I think there is Mm -hmm. a time for it. There's toxic and abusive relationships, but we have gotten so good at boundaries that we have quit loving each other Mm -hmm. and we've quit forgiving each other. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where we've got to be careful that we don't just guard our lives from everything good. Yeah not just everything bad. Yeah, because it's often in the effort to guard from something bad or hurtful that we then end up missing out or like kind of rejecting the good too. Because mm-hmm. with the good comes sometimes hard things or conflict like you said, but when we just focus on avoiding the things that could be uncomfortable, we also lose out on a lot of the good. I don't know if this is the way to say it, but like kind of the consequence or the cost of skipping the hard things is that you end up missing the good things too, you know. Yeah. Um yeah, that's so good. Okay, my last kind of question in terms of like digging into this topic is I know in your book, you talk about five practical ingredients that you need to have the type of friends you've always wanted. So I'm obviously dying to know, like, what are those five ingredients? Or can you give us at least a preview? I don't want to like spoil the whole book, but whatever you're willing to share, I think that would be super helpful to hear. Yeah. So I've mentioned some of them. Proximity is the first one. Vulnerability or transparency is the second one. The third one is accountability and then mission like something to do together that doesn't have to be like a service project, although it could be, mm-hmm. but it's just, I mean, my mom does it with bridge club, you know, she just mm-hmm. plays bridge. She does something beside people. And I think mm-hmm. some doing things together, C.S. Lewis talks about that, that, mm-hmm. that great friendship usually revolves around common passions and interests. And then fifthly is consistency. And basically what I mean by that is, is you keep showing up and you stay and you, mm-hmm. you work it out. And so, you know, not all friendships that are, are healthy are going to have all five, Mm -hmm. but I would say the more you have, probably the more you should fight for that friendship Mm, (laughs) because it's hard. It's hard to replace friends that, that play these roles. And, and again, I mean, this is what my mom used to say probably to all of us. We all probably heard this growing up. If you want friends, you got to be a good friend, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and it's true. We've got to pursue these things in our own lives before we can ever have them. But, but I do believe there's a lot of lonely people right now. There's a lot of people waiting for you to call. There's a lot of people hoping to be brought into something like this. And, mm-hmm. and I hope this book, what it'll do is, is launch initiators into the world like that are fighting for this. Mm-hmm. And, and not everybody's going to read it, but maybe you'll bump into someone that did and they, they initiate better and they fight for you and they show up and say yes. And, and that's my hope is that we would get out of the stupor of, of scrolling and watching Netflix every night and go, you know what? It's not as easy, but mm-hmm. I know this is what I'm made for. And, and I want, I want more people in my life and I've got to start choosing it. Yeah. That's so good. Can you remind me there was, I, I caught the last four, but I forgot the first one. So it's trans, did you say transparency? Proximity. Proximity, Proximity okay. is the first one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Transparency, accountability, mission, right? Like shared interests yes. and, then and then consistency. That's good. Mm-hmm. So good. And honestly, all of this came from, from scripture, but then also looking at village life and this is what they have. Like, mm-hmm. this is how they did it. And yeah. And we can create it. We just have to choose it and work a little harder, harder at it than they did, you know, yeah. and 
yeah. a few hundred years ago. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. So good. And so encouraging, but practical too. I really appreciate so much of what you've shared. I would love if you can tell us where people can learn more from you and soak in all your wisdom and also get this next book. I think this is going to be such a needed one. I think so many of us are craving this and needing just some practical tools and steps on how we can build some deeper community, especially in a lonely season or really in a lonely culture in general. So would love to hear where to get the book and where to learn from you. Sure. It's JennyAllen.com, J-E-N-N-I-E, Allen, A-L-L-E-N.com. Awesome. You guys go grab the book. This is so good. It's called Find Your People. Jenny, what's the subtitle of the book again? It is Building Deep Community in a Lonely World. So good. I love that. You guys go grab the book. Jenny, thank you so much for being here. This was so, so good and so encouraging for me as well. Uh, Thanks, Jordan. I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content and it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less.